Good morning, CLC and everyone there. It's really nice to um, be able to share with you guys for just another brief moment. Paul asked me to share um, a quick video about some of my journey over the last 15 years and some of the things that that um, we've seen happen. And there was a moment in Iceland with Paul in these last few days, which was just a fabulous time, um, where I just had this moment where I just said to Paul, and it was more of a passing comment, but I just had this, you know, these these moments where you're just so appreciative and you go, all of these things that I've been learning about vulnerability, transparency, discipleship, accountability, all of those things that lead to internal transformation have caused my life to just move in this incredible direction. And when I look at my life now, I'm just so grateful. And uh, many times when I really take a moment to pause and think about where I am now versus where I was 15 years ago, there's just a thankfulness and a gratefulness and going, my God, Jesus, you have been so good to me. But then when I think about that, I go, well, actually, Jesus has, has, has come to me through um, many of you guys there and through Paul and walking with Paul, and he really is a dad to me, and really seeing these things through and walking in these things and doing it again and again and again and being open and vulnerable and honest and transparent. And even, even this most recent trip, seeing an increase in my confidence, understanding a little bit that I'm not quite as internally secure as I might have thought I was and having that exposed and going, okay, okay, let's, let's get another level of confidence uh, here um, because that's what allows you to really be the gift that you are. And it's not an arrogance. It's not a it's not a, an issue of going, oh, I'm better at this than that person. No, it's just seeing who God has made you to be and allowing who God has made you to be to really come out. And all of these things that we talk about so often are the keys that really open up your dreams to you. And when I look at my life now, sometimes I just think, my God, I'm, I'm living in this dream world. The dreams I had 10 to 15 years ago about business and church and family are now outside of me. And I'm looking at these things going, my God, this is just the beginning. And then my ability to dream and my vision and what I've and where I've come has also has now allowed me to look into the future and go, there's almost no limit here. There's there isn't any limit to what what can happen. But the root of all of that is rooted in internal confidence, security, understanding who I am, being discipled, walking, walking in real life with somebody like Paul. Who, who loves me and cares about me and takes the time to listen to me, my whinging and moaning and complaining, and give me the wisdom and insight that I need. And in that, God is in it because that's that's the system that God has designed and God has set up. And I am so grateful uh, to be a part of it and to really see the evidence of that in my life because any internal change that, that we make because of discipleship Results in a permanent external transformation because anything internal affects every decision you make externally. And when I look at my life, I am so grateful for the journey that I've been on. And somehow it just keeps getting better and better and better. And I just want you guys to know that um, you're very, very blessed to have the people around you that you do. I'm jealous of you guys um, and I miss you guys a lot. And I really hope to be able to come see you guys in the next year or so maybe a chance of next year being able to come over. So love you guys. Appreciate all of you. And uh, just don't discount uh, what God has put in front of you. It is powerful. It has the power to transform your life. Um, and it all starts right now with, with, with one small thing called discipleship, vulnerability, transparency. All of that has the power to transform your life right now. 
You don't have to wait for some miracle or something to happen. You just have to start doing some of those small things right now in your life and the dreams that are in your heart um, will begin to come forth. So, okay. Bless you guys. Love you guys. See ya. Okay, so, of course, I've just been with Isaac. We went to Iceland. We find the hardest places to go to, of course. Uh, <laughs> Iceland is an amazing place. Absolutely amazing. If you've never been, it's only two and a half hours away. It's amazing. Very expensive, though. Um, but, of course, the environment helps, doesn't it, when you're yes. together? It helps to create an environment where people can share and laugh and talk together and just be who we really are. Yeah. Which is why it's so good to be together on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Huh? Um, and it was a wonderful time, obviously, with Isaac. I love, I love seeing Isaac. The story about Isaac is that many, many years ago, uh, I knew his dad, and his dad died of cancer. Um, and God just knitted me together with the family. And then he knitted that family with this family. Um, and it's been a wonderful journey, a wonderful journey, and uh, things are going wonderfully well for Isaac and Sylvia, and they've just had a little, a new little one called Emma, so now they have Zoe and Luke and Emma, uh, and yeah, it's fantastic. So what I wanted to talk about this morning was something called succession, okay? And I'll just define what succession means. It's the order in which, or the conditions under which, one person after another succeeds. And of course, we often get a little bit, ooh, success and prosperity and all that. But to be honest, I mean, you've got to get over that. God wants you to prosper in every way. Look at someone and say, he wants me to prosper. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be healthy. He wants your soul to prosper. He wants your spirit to prosper. He wants everything good for you. Because that is who God is. Um, and as for Isaac, of course, you've seen him there. Isaac is 35 years old. It was his birthday on Thursday. So we went to the Blue Lagoon to celebrate. We were in there for four hours. And this is a, it's a beautiful... I'll tell you more about it if you ask me later. But it was a wonderful time anyway. Uh, but as for Isaac, Isaac is making phenomenal inroads in terms of not only uh, the family and the business, but, but everything that he's doing uh, is, is growing in a special way. Um, and, and some of the people that he knows, of course, are are people who have got great influence, multi-millionaires, some of them, but they want to be with him. You understand me? They give the whole portfolios to him. They, they come to him and say, we want to leave our business with you. He's 35 years old. Why do they do that? Because there's something about him. He's grown. There's something about him internally that has changed, that has been a transformation in his life. And they want people, people out there want to meet people with integrity. They want, they want to meet people who, who are honest, who, who really live a different, just normal like everybody else, but they live a different kind of life. And that is who Isaac is, that is who Sylvia is. It's a beautiful thing. Um, 
So he's got wisdom beyond his years and he's got an insight that's beyond his years as well, which is wonderful. But as I was thinking about, okay, what, what shall I share? There's so many things that I can share. But as I was thinking about today, I just thought, well, perhaps what I could do is just share, not obviously, not the whole, because someone said to me, why, why, why does Isaac, why doesn't he look cheerful and happy? He's just, he's just been with me for a week. <laughs> really? And of course, when we're together, God, God speaks. And he exposes things and shows us things. And he doesn't expose it in a way that you feel naked. He exposes it in a way that you can deal with it and bring it to him and talk about it. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, but th- things that we hit on during the course of the five days that I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to share some of these things. Because it's good for all of us. It's good for all of us. Um, so, some things that Jesus knew about himself. You've heard me say this before. Jesus knew who he was. He knew it. Um, John 8 and 58, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You understand me? He wasn't going, uh, I'm not quite sure who I am. He went, this is who I am. Before Abraham was, I am. So in other words, he was identifying himself as God, with God, in God, through God. That's what he was doing. He was going, I am. I'm not going, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not. I might be. He went, I am. And you've got to know that as well. Who are you? Who are you? You are. You are you, aren't you? Yes. Well, who is that person? You've got to find out. You've got to discover the person who you are. The person who God has made you to be. You remember the woman at the well? She said, I know that Messiah is coming. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. He knew. So he knew who he was. He knew where he'd come from. In John 6 and verse 38, he said, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of him who sent me. So where did he, he knew where he came from. He didn't, he didn't say... I was born of my mother Mary in Bethlehem. Although he may well have said that naturally, of course. But he went, no, I know where I come from. I come from heaven. Where do you come from? Yeah. Yeah, no, but say it. You have to say it. You have to begin to get acquainted with the person who you really are. You are someone who has been in the heart of God before the world was ever created. Well, if you believe it, say it. Do you understand me? Because if you don't say it, it doesn't become you. You are it, but if you don't know it, it's unhelpful. Isn't it? So you've got to say it. He knew where he'd come from. He knew who he was. He knew what he was going to do. So he knew his purpose. He said, for I have come to seek and save that which was lost. He knew. He knew what he was going to do. He knew, um, he knew how he was going to do it. John 10 and verse 18, it says, No one takes it from me, talking about his life, but I lay it down willingly. So he was, he was speaking of the giving of his life. That was how he was going to do the purpose that God gave him. And it's the same way that you're going to do the purpose that God gave you. Because life comes from death. That's where it comes from. So you are going to give up your life to the Father and to others, and in doing so, you will accomplish the purpose of God. But Jesus was very clear about these things. And you go, well, it's Jesus. No, 
Yeah, of course it was Jesus, but you can learn from Jesus. Jesus is our example, is he not? Wonderful. So then we have to do it, don't we? Simple as that, we have to do it. And if you're not doing it, you should be doing it. Do you understand me? It's no good going, yes, Paul, amen, Paul, beautiful work, Paul, wonderful, fantastic, fantastic. Great word, best word I've ever heard. Are you doing it? No, really. Are you doing it? That's what you have to do. And not because I'm telling you, but because the good book, the author of the book, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the Father, everyone says to do it. So let's just do it. Then we become like him. So he knew who, uh, he knew where he was going as well. John, John 16 and verse 28. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Do you understand me? You want going, well, when I pop it, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> no, can you imagine? I am, I am the truth and the life and the way. I am the truth, the life and the way. The way, the truth, the life. The way, the life, the truth. <laughs> but anyway, you can't imagine him going, um, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen when I pop it. But do you understand me? A lot of the time inside us, we are unsure about these things. But why are we unsure? Because the Father has said it clearly to us so that we can be sure. He said it to you. So you have to be sure. So these are the things that you have to know about. You have to know who you are, where you came from, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and where you're going to go. Once you get certain about those things, something happens inside. The other thing that you have to know is that there's a difference between who you are and what you do. There's a difference. If you don't know the difference, you get into trouble. Do you understand me? Who you are is a unique, beautiful, wonderful, tremendous, I can't say it enough, you are special. In the right way, you were special. You were beautiful. You were a treasure. You were precious. The Father sings over you. The Father loves you. The Father wants to see your face. It's unconditional all the time, every minute of every day, every second of every minute. It never stops. It don't matter what you feel about you. He feels wonderful about you because you're his kid. So that's who you are. Now, the, the difficulty is it if you don't realise that who you are is not what you do. You see, because you can do things and get it wrong, can't you? You can do things and feel as though... Uh, and sometimes if you don't know the difference between these things, when you get it wrong, you immediately go, I'm a failure. I'm rubbish. So that means that if I ever say to anyone, let's say I say uh, Matt in the... In, in the beginning days, Matt, I don't think that were quite right. Matt, I'd go, oh, <laughs> you don't love me. That's... But now I can say, Matt, maybe you should have done it that way. Maybe you should have done it that way. I'd go, yeah, yeah, I know, I, I, I see that. Do you understand me? Because there's a difference between who he is and what he does. If he does something and doesn't get it quite right, which is the same for all of us, well, that's okay. It's okay to not get it quite right. Because we're human. And sometimes we don't get things quite right, do we? And the only, the only way that we actually get things right, right is mentors or mistakes, isn't it? There's only these two ways. 
It's either, it's either through those people around you who have already gone before you and shown you an example so you can get it right, or it's through mistakes. Well, most people choose the latter. Do you understand me? Most of everybody chooses the latter. But all the mistakes I ever made were not just for me to learn from, they were for you to learn from. You understand me? There's only these two ways that you learn. But if you always go, well, who I am is linked to what I do, then every time anyone says anything that is a correction, you just go, oh, he doesn't love me anymore. I mean, honestly, this man, this man was here for three and a half years. And sometimes he would not talk to me for three and a half days. I mean it. Do you understand me? He did, he, and it's, the, it's the, isn't it the same. It was the same for me. Because somehow we have to learn there's a difference between who I am and what I do. And sometimes what you do is not quite right. And God wants to correct it. Well, if you know who you are, and God then corrects what you've done that's not quite right, you don't have a problem. Because you're secure in who you are. Someone say amen. Because it's good, isn't it? Amen. And it's really simple. And you've heard it many times before. But it's the time to start doing it now. Because you are someone who is going to make a difference. I am absolutely convinced. I am absolutely convinced that the church, as it was, is finished completely. I'm absolutely convinced about it. I believe that you are the child of God, a son and a daughter of God, who is going to make a difference on the face of the earth. Yes, you may sing, you may dance, you may, you may pray and do all these other things, but in the end, you are going to make a difference on the face of the earth. Because when we go to heaven, we've got to, we've got to go there and make a difference there as well. Huh? There's some things to do. But we've got to become these people who God says we can become. And, and you might say, well, this is who I am. This is how I am today. Yeah. Well, it's, that's not... The question is, who do you want to become? That's your question. Who do you want to become? Huh? Who do you want to become? Oh, well, I am, I am this person. I will always be this person. All right. If you say so. As for me, I'm going to change. Huh? Because the trouble is, they say that if you get to 50 and you ain't changed, you've got a problem. If you get to 50 and you ain't changed, there's a problem because you're never going to change. Huh? Don't want to be one of them, do you? I'm only 49. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank you, son. Thank you. So, how a man, how a woman thinks about his, herself makes all the difference. You've got to begin to think a different way. You are making a difference. You are unique. There's something special about you. I, I put a few things here, because these are some of the things that we spoke about together with Isaac, and I thought, okay... Stop focusing about what you've lost. Stop, stop thinking about what you've lost and start thinking about what you've got. Stop thinking about what you've lost. Start thinking about what you've got. Stop thinking about where you are and start thinking about where you want to go. Hmm? Makes sense, doesn't it? 
Oh, thanks, am I sweating all today? <laughs> um, I mean, if you think about it, and of course we haven't got time, that's the story of Joseph, isn't it? That's the story, he lost his whole family. Can you imagine what this man goes? You know, we read all these stories, oh, this is a beautiful Bible story, we, we get it as kids, then we get it as adults, then we listen to it in, in the church setting. But actually, this was a real man who lost his family, he lost his whole family. They were dead to him. Can you imagine that? We can't even imagine it. We're so pampered and so comfortable. We can't imagine these kind of things. But he lost his whole family. Then he lost his whole tribe. Then he lost his whole nation. And ended up in a completely different nation and in jail. For something that he'd not done wrong. Can you imagine going through that? No, you can't. You have no idea. If you think you have some idea about that, you have no idea what that really felt like. To us, it's just a nice story, a musical. But this is someone's real life. I could have gone, oh, I'm focusing on everything that I've lost. No, there was something internally in him that went, no, this is where I'm focusing. This is what I believe. God gave me a dream. God put some dream seeds on the inside of me, and those seeds are going to be watered, because that's what you do with seeds, isn't it? You water them. You nourish them. You feed them, don't you? So if you've got some dream seeds inside you, they need nurturing and feeding. And we'll talk about that in a little while. But that's the story of Joseph. He lost nearly everything. The story of David's the same. He was in the palace and then suddenly he's out of the palace. He's a fugitive. Well, we don't know what that's like, being a fugitive. I can only imagine what it's like. Being chased by a man who wants to kill you and throws spears at you. How does that feel for a life? I mean, can you imagine it? You can't. It's crazy stuff. But still, he's not focusing on where he's at. He's focusing on where he wants to go. There's something about him. He's dealing with where he's at all the time, and that's another thing. You have to deal with it. The story of Ruth and Naomi, they lost the husbands, they lost the family, the possibility of any future, the possibility of any inheritance. But what did they do? They went. This is the story of the Bible, you understand me? And this is real life. This is not some kind of airy-fairy, like... Ooh, it's, it's, not, it's not something that happens in a meeting, this. Do you understand me? This is life. This really happened. These are real stories of real people, just like you and me, who somehow went, you know what? This adversity is not going to stop me. I'm going to carry on because he's in me and he's with me and he's my dad and he loves me and I've got a future. Huh? That's why they got into the future. It's not because they sang, sat around and had a nice little time or sang hymns or prayed or any of those things. They did all those things, I'm sure. But that's not why they got there. They got there because inside they went, you know what, he's with me and I'm moving. Huh? Beautiful. I just put this, when you're in the process of losing something, it's very hard to think about what you've got. It is, isn't it? It's a bit like pain. It screams for your attention. But pain's not a bad thing because when you get pain, it focuses you and then you go, oh, I've got a pain. What do I need to do with this pain? Now, you see, we do that when we get a toothache, don't we? We do it when we get backache and really we should come to the elders of the church and ask them to lay it. Now, listen to me. Really, we should come to the elders of the church, not the elders of the church ringers and go, are you all right, lovey-dovey? No, we should go to the elders of the church and say, you know what, I've got a pain, can you pray for me? That's the way it works, not the other way around. 
Because when you do that, let me tell you what happens. When you do that, you submit yourself to another authority. You submit yourself and you go, I am in need of help. You don't stay in your selfishness. Sorry, I'm being very... I can feel it, but... Listen to me, we have to learn this stuff now, it's time to learn it. But pain makes you focus, and then focus brings you to identifying where the pain is and then dealing with the pain, does it not? Okay, so internally, the pain that you carry, what have you done with it? Have you nursed it? What have you done with that pain? What do you do with the pain that's inside you? Do you nurse it? Do you nurture it? Do you kiss it? What do you do with the pain that's inside of you? The pain is there to do what? To say to you there's something not right, there's something in disorder. What do you do with something in disorder? You put it in order. How do you do that? You bring it to Jesus. How do you do that? You come to him and you say, Jesus, this is how I am. This is who I am. I am writing this down right now, Lord. I'm writing all my pain, all my grief, all my sorrow. I'm writing it down before you. And then I'm not only writing it, I'm giving it. I'm speaking it to you. You can call it prayer. I don't care what you call it. But then you can write it, you can speak it, and you can go, Jesus, this is for you. That's how you deal with pain. Really? Do you want to deal with it? That's the next question. Listen, we've got to grow up. We've all got to grow up, all of us. Hey, it's a tough old life, isn't it? My Lord, it's a tough old life, believe me. I don't know what we think we we were going to get. But boy, it's tough sometimes. And I tell you, we're still closeted. We're the most blessed people on the face of the earth. We have no idea. We have no idea how blessed we are. And still we cry like babies. But Jesus says, no, bring your pain to me. Let me take your burden from you. And learn from me. That's what he says, isn't it? So, once you've identified it, you can begin to deal with it. And that in itself, is you moving forward. Beautiful, isn't it? You understand me? As soon as you begin to deal with it, that's you starting to move forward. You're not sat there anymore. You're not in the same place. Now I'm moving forward. You're moving forward to something new, something better. That's where you're going, amen? Everyone's going somewhere better. There's nothing that can't be changed. Today is the day of salvation. No matter what's happening in your life, I'm here to tell you the good news. Everything can change. Today everything can change, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you go to the next big conference, not when you get the next good book, not when someone comes along with a magic wand, because we've got to get rid of that one from the church, the magic wand. Oh, I'll just come at the front and and the father will touch me with his magic wand and suddenly it's all going to be all right. No, no, come on kids, let's grow up. No, no, that's not how it happens. It's not how it happens. Of course he brings relief. Of course he brings grace. Of course the anointing's there. But in the end, you've got to do it. In the end, you've got to choose to do whatever he's asking you to do. If you want the healing, if you want the wholeness, if you want the fullness, you've got to choose to do what he's telling you to do. Obedience is a prerequisite to moving on into the future. Obedience is. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, if you want to else, go somewhere else. No, I, I, don't, I don't mean it unkindly, but it's time that we all began to grow up because there's a church that's going to waste outside of us and there's a world that's going, going somewhere else. So somewhere we've got to begin to go, hey, have I got this? 
Have I done this? Have I checked it off? Have I really? Is it real, this life? Or am I just going to church every week, week in, week out, week in, week out, saying thank you, thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you for thanking him. But in the end, he's waiting for you to do something. And because he's done everything. He ain't going to do nothing else. Really, really. It's a big, it's a big thing, isn't it? He ain't going to do nothing else. Jesus will never, ever do anything else because he has done everything. So what you're waiting for? Huh? What are we waiting for? Huh? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that even Jesus says this? He says that the same power that raised him from the dead lives in you and gives life to your mortal body. What does that mean? It means that even your body can begin to get better. Huh? There is hope for us all, isn't there? And I don't say just being well. I mean get better. I want to be well. I want to be whole. I want to be restored. You understand me? God says, he's given us a promise that the same power that lived in him and rose him up from the dead lives in me and gives me power to be well. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I don't understand why we're not all well. Don't ask me that question. I've got no idea. But what I do know is that he's done it all. And my theology is not based on what I feel or what I can see. It's based on what I know. And I'll never stop saying it because he's done it all. What are you waiting for? What's going to happen in heaven? What's going to be new in heaven? Are you going to get a new heart? No. You already got one. Are you going to get a new spirit? No, you already got one of them as well. Are you going to get more Holy Ghost? Well, probably more Holy Ghost. Because there won't be as many hindrances, hopefully. But there's not going to be much that's new apart from a new body. Huh? Isn't And everyone's going, well, one day, in the future, one day, God's going to do something. No, today... It's the day of salvation. Today, God did everything. It's all ready and waiting. Here it is. We can't see it. It's in the air. It's all around us, just hanging over us. Do you want it? You can have it. It's in you. You've got the Holy Ghost in you, and you have. Amen. I mean, just think about this. Waiting for something to happen. This is the story of John the Baptist, isn't it? Listen to this. John the Baptist knew where the future was. This is what he said. He pointed, he pointed out the future to the disciples. This is what he said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew where the future was at. This is the man that takes away the sin, the problems, all of it, the iniquities. This is the man who does it. He takes it away. He said it clearly. Then it says, uh, and then I just put it here. He knew who the future was. He says this. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So now he's going, this is not just a man who's taking away the sin of the world. This is the Son of God. This is God himself on the earth. He's here, right with us. I testify it. I see it. The future's here. He's right in front of us. Wow. Can you imagine that? He knew how he could get into the future. He said, as he looked at Jesus and Jesus walked, he said, there he is, the Lamb of God. And you know when he said that? What happened? Two of his disciples left John the Baptist and followed. In other words, he saw the future, he knew the future. He said, that is the future. Two of the guys following him went, I'm going for the future. But listen, John had a problem. John had a problem. John had this problem in his mind. 
His heart. Can you imagine this man? This was a man who, who reached in the heaven. You know, like we say, we, we're going to reach for something. This morning we've been reaching. This was a man who reached out of 400 years of dryness, of desert, and somehow he reached into the heaven and pulled down something completely new. That's John the Baptist. People went, he's, he's like a violent, aggressive man who pulls down something from heaven. And then he went, look, there he is. That's the future. Go and follow him. And yet John the Baptist, even though his heart was exploding with love for Jesus, even though his spirit was full of power, could not get out of his own prison. He could not get out of his own prison. Listen to me. John the Baptist only saw and recognized sin. <clears throat> in other words, John the Baptist, when he saw sin, something inside him went, that's sin. And if you want a way forward, you've got to repent. That's all that he knew. That's what he learned in the Old Testament. That's what he lived on. That's what he said to everybody. And when he saw Herod and Herodias, he said the same thing. The problem for John the Baptist was not his heart, not his spirit, but his mind. Because even though he knew there was a future, and he could see the future, and he got people into the future, he couldn't get in himself. He didn't have any solutions for anything that he saw. He only had condemnation. He only had the law, and he only had legislation. That's all he had. The law, legislation, and condemnation. That's all he had. I'm sorry to say it. It's true, honestly. And the reason, do you, do you understand me? He got his head cut off. I mean, he's, he's a beautiful man, this. I'm, please understand me. John the Baptist was a special man. There's no doubt about it. But the problem was that his mind could not see the future. He was living in the past, which was his present. And even though the future was in front of him, he could not recognize or see the future. And he ended up saying, hey, Herod, you were doing this and this wrong and this and this wrong. What happened? His head got chopped off. Why? Because that's where the problem was. His head. It was chopped off. He had a problem in his mind. He was in prison. And I know he was a fantastic man of God. But this is the problem that we all have. Jesus came and brought a new covenant. Jesus came and brought the answer. He came to bring solutions. He's got every solution that's needed, necessary. He's got it all. It's all with him. He is the future. He's your future. But you've got to reach into him. You are in him, but you've got to reach into him and say, yes, Lord, I want this future. I will not be stopped by my past. I will not be stopped by condemnation, by poverty thinking. You know, poverty thinking, you can recognise poverty thinking. It's like, when, it's like when I go to Iceland and it costs a thousand pounds just to get there. And a thousand pounds to get there and, and, and go in a hotel. And then we go to the Blue Lagoon and then we have a big meal. And the meal itself costs hundreds of pounds. I'll tell you what the spirit of poverty does. Well, why did you do that? Why would you spend money on that? Well, what's that got to do with you? It's not your money. Is it? Do you understand me? Something happens where inside a person, because they don't have joy the self, they don't have release the self, they don't have prosperity inside them, when they see someone who does have it, not only does it steal from them, it's like, why, why, why? Everything in them shouts. 
Not only does it steal from them, but then the environment affects everybody around them. Who's that? That's Judas right there, isn't it? That's Judas right there. That's the, the spirit, a poverty, a poverty mindset. Do you, you understand me? When I'm talking about being in a prison, you can build your own prison and stay it as long as you want. We've got to get out of those prisons, folks. You've got to get out of it. You've got to live in another dimension. You've got to break through. You've got to get out of the bars. You've got to break the bars of iron and get through. Because it'll kill you. You understand me? It's not only that it'll kill you, but it'll kill other people around you. It'll put a damper on everything. Huh? We used to have times like that. You know, the Spirit of the Lord. Be, whew, presence of God would be everywhere and there'd be someone going. You could feel them going. No, you could feel them in the congregation. And sometimes I saw rats running about all over the place. Little rats. Horrible, nasty things. Unclean things running under seats. Huh? I could see it. And that's because the environment changes with a mindset that is not free. And we're not talking about everybody else. We're talking about me. We're talking about you. Where are you really at? Because these are the kind of things that you've got to deal with. If you want to be in another dimension, it's not about your heart. Your heart is new. It's not about your spirit. The spirit of God's in you. It's not about those things. It's not even about power. It's about this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not because of the devil. Not because of the flesh. Not because of all the other things. For what? Why are they destroyed? Lack of knowledge. So, your mind needs changing. Do you know, what, you know what the Holy Spirit is? And I know he's glorious and he's beautiful and he's righteous and he's, he's fantastic, his presence is beautiful, all the rest of it. But do you know what he really does? He has got the ministry of transformation. That's what he's all about. That, that's his only goal. Do you understand me? He has a job to do and the job is that he's going to transform us to be more and more like Jesus every day. That's his job. His job is not power. He is power. His job is not fueling you. He is your fuel, but it's not, you understand me? His job is none of those things. His function is to transform you into the image of Jesus. That's his job, full stop, bang, right there. That's it. That's what he wants to do in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just read it. It's all about the ministry of transformation that the Holy Ghost has got. That's all he wants to do. Huh? Isn't it beautiful? You see, your, 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 your heart is something that you have to look after. You've got a new heart. You have to guard your heart now. Guard your heart. What does it say in Proverbs 4, verse 23? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. All life flows from your heart. What have you got to do? You've got to guard your heart. You've got to look after your heart. It's a new one. You've got to do that. Don't say to God, you do it, God. Give me a new heart. He's not likely to do that. You've got a new heart. He's not likely to give you another new heart. You understand me? You've got one already. You've got to look after it. Take care of it. How do you do that? Just like I said before, earlier. This is not a game. This is not church as it usually is. This is different. This is you getting ready to do exploits for Jesus and make a difference on the earth. <clears throat> Are you putting in the hours in order to do the work with the Holy Ghost in the ministry that he wants to do in your mind? Are you putting in the hours? I want to know, are you putting in the hours? Oh, we put hours in, hours and hours in other things, don't we? Hours and hours into business, into jobs, into all that. 
Why, why do you think his business is going so well? Is it because he's such a great businessman? Well, he is, but it's all to do with the fact that something happened in his heart and in his mind. He had to put some hours in to see a transformation. Oh, well, he's the pastor. No, listen to me. Stop making excuses like that. You're all pastors. You're all, you're all, you're all members of the body who, who, who function in one way or another, aren't you? Stop making excuses for yourself. How many hours do you put in with the Holy Ghost to make sure that this thing is changing? How many? One hour a day? Two hours? Three hours? (laughs) 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 Some people say yes. I love this man. He listens to everything, doesn't he? Beautiful. But we need to ask ourselves those kind of questions. Huh? Really? I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. We have got things to do that you can't even imagine. Honestly, you, you, haven't, you haven't even... You, you dare not go there. Because it is so big. It's so big. This is not just us praying for nations. This is not just us going to do... This is us going to change the lives of thousands and millions of people. Are you ready to do something like that? I've got Nigel with me now. He's, he's going to go to Paraguay. And something phenomenal happened. What, what, he's, what he's trained for and equipped for for so many years, he's going to do it. Can you imagine going into a nation and changing the way that people think? That's what he's going to do. Do you want to do it? Is it possible for them all to do this night? Absolutely. There you go. Huh? And ain't God been good? Isn't he good to you? He's so wonderful. But you've got to put the hours in. You've got to mean it. You've got to want it. Just think about this. What would you attempt to do if you knew that it was impossible to fail? What would you attempt to do if you knew it was impossible to fail? What would you attempt to do if you knew you had everything you needed to do it? That's how I live. Right there. Right there. Really. It is scary. It is scary. I'm going, I I already got it. I'm seeing it already now. I live there already now. Because I'm going, that's what he wants. This is not a game anymore. I I, I read a little, my dad had a book yesterday from one of the family, and it says on the index of the, the first page, it says this. When I started my business, I asked everybody around me, would they invest? No one would. Now... They all want to. Huh? Now they all want to. You see, are you one of those people that's waiting for everybody else so that you can get, you can just hook onto it? Or are you one of those people that go, I'm going to invest right now. I'm investing now for the future. What, what kind of person are you really? Are you an invest now person? Or are you waiting for everybody else to invest for you? And then you can snag onto it. Huh? Because I'll tell you, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. People who've learned these lessons just go, anybody that just wants to hook onto it afterwards, they're not going there. Why? Because we, we want to be nasty? No. Because if you get there and you ain't got the right mentality, you'll destroy it. Simple as that. Jesus stopped for no one. For no one. So what would you attempt if you knew it was impossible to fail? 
And what would you do if you knew that everything had already been given? And let's face it, everything has already been given, hasn't it? No, hang on a minute. Everything's already been given, surely. Jesus died for this very reason, that you would be a co-heir with him, an ambassador. I mean, these are big words, aren't they? A prince and a princess. You were a son and a daughter. These are big, big words. Do we live like this? Is this where you were living? I remember Bryn Jones once saying to me, he said, son, what does it mean to be a prince in the kingdom? And he looked at me really serious. And somewhere inside me I went, are you joking? And then I looked at his face again. No way was he joking. No, he meant, Paul, do you know what it's like to live as a prince? Because I want you to live like a prince. Do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like? Do you understand me? These words, sons, daughters, ambassadors, co-heirs, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, these are big words, are they? Big words. Do you live them or is it just a word? Are you in it? Do you find yourself in that word? Or is it just a word to you? Is it just another Sunday preaching? Is it just another time that me or Adam or Matt or someone anchored is, is preaching again? Is it, is it just another word? Or are you finding yourself in it? Because you have to find yourself in it. It's for you. You have to reach. Huh? Reach. You know what? I was thinking about this with the inheritance. And of course the inheritance of Jesus is here for all of us to have. Which is a beautiful thing. But the inheritance comes through a death. And as I'm thinking about the inheritance, I'm going, Lord, why is it so many people don't live in this place of knowing that they've got everything? Why? Why do we not live there? Well, because in order for the inheritance to be working, there must be a death that's gone through. The death of Jesus. You understand me? If you're going to give something, there's got to be something deposited in already inside you. And that is the death of Jesus. Paul said it. He said the death of Jesus is working inside us so that the life flows out. That's the inheritance there, isn't it? Jesus died and his death became my death. And as I die, his life comes through me. So as I die, the inheritance becomes mine. That's the only way you can have the inheritance. You can't have the inheritance because you know the scripture. Listen to me. It doesn't work that way. You can't have, every, every Christian in the world would have it just because they knew the scripture. No, you know the scripture when it lives inside you. That's when you know the scripture. You don't know it otherwise. Do you understand me? You don't know anything unless it lives in you. All you do is you have knowledge, but you don't actually know it inside you. The death has to become real so that his life is real. This is Christianity, folks. This is real Christianity, isn't it beautiful? It's fantastic. But I said to the Lord, why, Lord, is there so few that live like this? Why? Because there's so few that live like this. That's why. So few that live like this. Huh? And that you've got to know as well. You've got to know it. Pictures, let's just go on. I'm trying to. Are we all right for time? Praise the Lord. Didn't hear anyone say no, so that must bring you. Okay, pictures. God births every dream with a picture. It frames a picture. I mean, this is what it says in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. It says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other, in other words, God, this is what happened. God thought what he wanted. He would have thought, you would have dreamed so you'd inside him. He thought it. And as he thought it, he wrote it, because it's in the book. Everything that he ever did is written in the book. The general knowledge of it is written in the book. He wrote it. Then he spoke it. And then it was. It came out of him. And it became, wasn't it? That's what happened. But before, he ever, before it ever became manifest out there, it was a picture inside him. He saw it inside him. Don't you see things inside you? Don't you imagine things? Can't you see those things? You've got to begin to see again. You've got to begin to see again. Your life is a beautiful life. You have got to begin to see again. What is it that you're seeing? Of course, our pictures sometimes get distorted. They get damaged on the way. But God has put dream seeds. You were made in his image. Whose image are you made in? Isn't it beautiful? So God thought it. He wrote it. Listen to what I said. God thought it. Then he wrote it. Then he spoke it. And then it became. It was a picture in his mind. What about you? You're made in his image. What about you? What do you do? Nearly everything that I see today, it has been in a picture. Nearly everything that I see has been literally in a picture. I remember many, many years ago, Maria, even because she just sat around the table and listened to me, she got out and she did a beautiful picture. She framed what she'd heard me speak in a picture. And I'm telling you, this was 20 years ago. Huh? Because she heard it. And when she did that, I went, you know what? I should do that all the time. What is it that you want? What is it you want? Because it's in there already. God has birthed it on the inside of you. Think about the world. Everything that the world needs for itself is within it. Isn't it? Everything in the world. Everyone could be a millionaire. Do you know that? Really? It's a possibility. Not to be greedy, to have what they need. They don't need to be poverty on the earth. Because there's enough within the earth for the whole earth. Because God made it like that. But greed stops it from being like that. But there's no problem that the earth has everything that it possibly needs. Huh? Well, you're just the same. God created you with everything already. He put it all inside you. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. You already have his DNA. There's something special about you. There's a difference about you that is beautiful. Yes, we have many things in common. But you also have got something that is different, that is God. You possess something of God that no one else in the whole world has. Do you know what it is? Have you discovered it? Because it's yours to discover. It's yours to discover. You have to discover it. What is it? Huh? But God frames pictures. And you've got to start framing a picture. Do you remember the picture? This is, so this is what Jesus did with all the disciples, and we talked about it last time. So, you, so the whole time that he's with them, he's framing a picture for them. Of course, the picture that they're seeing is limited by their own mindset. But he's framing a picture for them. And they're going, there's a kingdom coming. There's new things happening. This is it, my future's here. It's beautiful. I look at Jesus, I'm in love with him. I've got a future with him. This is it. The kingdom's going to come. It's going to, and they had a special way they were thinking about it, but they were framing a picture. And then in Jerusalem, it all went wrong. 
that's when it gets distorted, it gets damaged. It, it, it got like, dist- in, inside them they're going through a trauma. Everything just died with Jesus on the cross. It wasn't just Jesus dying. It was everything of their future died in that place. That was death to them. Jerusalem. And now they're walking to Emmaus, the hot springs. That's where me and Isaac have been. Hot springs. Blue lagoon. Hot springs. Beautiful. Huh? We were there for four hours just letting those springs. Oh, it was beautiful, honestly. And I'm going, Jesus, I just preached about this a little while ago. He says, yes, son. I want to restore you. I want to renew you. I want to kiss you. I want to sing over you. I want you to have a beautiful time. Just receive it. So, 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 so of course, we're in the hot springs. But, of course, Jesus, he doesn't just leave you in the hot springs. He renews you. And then he sends you back to the place where it all took place. So the trauma's dealt with, the fear's dealt with, all the pain's dealt with. But you go back there, and then what does he do? So death becomes life, and life goes out to all the world. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's what he did. Hermaeus. Tremendous. Huh? Okay. God gives you the power to participate in the progress of your life. That's what he gives you. He gives you the power to participate in the progress of your own life. God will not do it for you. God will do it with you. But he will not do it for you. You have got some choices to make and they're yours to make. If God took your choices for you, he would be a manipulator, a controller, and he'd be a freak. Basically, he'd be all that. God will never make your choice for you. Don't let anyone tell you anything different ever because he would never do it. He gives you the information, the revelation. He gives you what you need in order to make the decision for the next moment. Every miracle... Every miracle, it's not just some, something that happens, it's something that happens because you were obedient to something. You understand me? When, you, don't get, you don't get a miracle unless you reach out your hand. Well, I haven't got a hand, reach it out. Reach it out, do something. There's, a, there's always, obedience is a prerequisite for every miracle. Not just these random acts that happen. Huh? God gives you the power to participate in the progress of your life. Now listen, these are a few things that me and, me and Isaac just saw. Respect. If, 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 you want, if you want success and you want succession in your life through the next generations, this is what has to happen. You have to respect what you want. And when you do, it comes towards you. Listen to me. Let's say that you want your own house. Well, before you can get your own house... You have to respect and be faithful with the one that you're in. You understand me? I can say it to them because we talk about it often. But that, they have to respect it because God's looking and going, if you want your own house, you have to respect the house that you're presently in because that shows me if you can look after something that I'm going to give to you. You have to respect it. Uh, let's say that you want your own business. Then you have to respect the business that you're presently working in. You just do. It's just, a, it's just a fact of life. Let's say that you want to have your own charity. Then you have to respect the charity that you're involved with. Let's say that you want to find the most beautiful and wonderful partner in the world. Well, then you have to respect and honour everybody that's around you. You understand me? Because how you deal in what you have presently got shows God if you respect and honour what he's given to you now. If you don't, you can't have what's coming. And if you do get what's coming, it'll destroy you. 
You all go, well, I want to be a millionaire. I've seen them on the lottery. Well, first of all, you have to buy a ticket. No, but do you understand me? I want to be a millionaire. No, you don't want to be a millionaire because that millions and millions and millions of pounds will destroy you if you do not know what you are going to do with it. It'll destroy you. That's what you read in the, in, in the papers. That's what you read of people that have won millions and millions and still people go, I want to win the lottery. No, you do not want to win the lottery unless your heart and your mind is in the right place because it will kill you. Huh? What you respect, you attract. It comes towards you. What you disrespect and dishonour, it legs at your life. You will never have what you disrespect. What you don't appreciate, you'll lose it. It legs at your life. This is, this is not a game. Can I just tell you, this is not a game. This is real life. It happens around you all the time. What you don't respect, what you don't honour, you will lose it. It will exit. When you disrespect a family member, you risk losing them. When you don't respect your own health and well-being, you risk becoming sick. Don't you? Don't you? Why, why, is it so, why is it so difficult? It's not difficult. This, it's really easy. This is what happens. If you don't respect your health, then there'll be a problem. When you disrespect your place of work or those in it, you jeopardise your future. What you respect comes towards your family, friends, favour. Desire. Delight the Lord in your heart. Delight, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. You know that. Beautiful. The proof of desire is in pursuit. We've said it many times. And I could tell you this, that I, I desire to be like my spiritual fathers. That's what I desire. If I, could, if I could see what I want to be like, then I know that the spiritual fathers that have gone in front of me, and I go, I want to be like them. But, of course, if I want to be like them, it, it's, it's not just enough me going, Father, I want to be like them. That doesn't work. Well, if I read enough in the Bible, I'm going to be like them. No, that doesn't work either. If I pray enough, no, that doesn't work either. What works is when I give my everything to learning from them what they already know. That works. That works. Do you understand me? Fathers have been in front of us to teach us, to learn us something, to show us something. So therefore, we need to look at them and we need to see what they've got and then we need to go and put in everything into it to get what you've got. You cannot believe how many tapes, tapes are those things that have those things that are, for anyone that doesn't know, Tapes, boxes of tapes, honestly. Boxes of tapes in my office. I don't know if they're there now. But hundreds of tapes that I listen to. Books that I read. Notes that I got. Thousands, listen to me. Thousands and thousands of pounds given in the pursuit of what I want to do. You understand me? No one was oh Paul, I'm going to give you this back. Do you understand me? I was going, I'm going to invest because there's a desire in my heart and I want to pursue it. And unless I pursue it, it's not really a desire, it's just a fantasy. Truly. So you've got to ask yourself, okay, it might be, you know, you want to be a lawyer. Okay, where, where do you go? Well, you get whatever you can and then you find a lawyer. And then you sit down and shut up and learn everything you can with your lawyer. Do you understand me? You don't know anything. You know very little. If you start at that place, everything's good. 
Do you understand me? I don't sit with Derek and go, well, I know this and I know this and I know this. No, I'm listening. I shut up. I'm listening. Because I realise that if I need to learn something from him, I have to be quiet. I realise that it's me that needs to learn from him, not the other way around. I get it. I understand it. I don't understand why it's so difficult. What is wrong with the church? We are doing all sorts of things in this pursuit of something, but we're not getting it. tell you just look around you there's people that God's put around you who he's put there for a reason are you listening are you watching are you observing are you committed are you putting money in are you putting effort in are you putting time in what are you doing what are you doing with your life huh it's happening can you imagine that we're doing we're doing a business masterminds over in America this is me little old me Doing a business masterminds. I'm not a businessman. I'm not a businessman. But can you imagine that people pay to listen to me? People pay to listen to what I've got. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That means that I must have something of value. Because they're willing to pay for it. So they pay for it. And it's millionaires that pay to listen to my advice. Can you believe that? Thank you for that, Kaz. Yeah, thank you. But really... This is how it has to be. When Jesus came along and he said, follow me, they had to give up what they had, didn't they? They had to give up and pursue him. Well, I'm not saying you had to sell your boat. You don't have to sell your boat or your fishing tackle. But you have to have the heart that goes, that's what I want. I can see it, I want it. I'm going to get it. And that goes for whatever it is that you want to do. But you've got to take it seriously now, you've got to do it. And I did this not for my sake only, but for your sake. Can you imagine all those hours that I've spent, all those time praying, all that time? It wasn't just for me, it was for you as well. Because what I've got is for you as well. If I've got anything good, it's for you. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Can't we all just be like that? Can you imagine what it'd be like if we're all like that? And we're going, actually, I want, I want my ceiling. My ceiling, I want it to be your floor. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Huh? But I'll tell you what, you're going to have to do a lot if you want my ceiling to be your floor. You understand me? You're going to have to put some time in, some effort in. You're going to have to put some money in. You're going to have to invest like you've never done before. Because if you want my ceiling to be your floor, man. So dream seeds are just that, seeds. The seeds. Dream seeds have to be watered and nurtured. How? Visualisation. You have to start visualising what you really believe God's put in your heart. And stop with the fear stuff. Stop with the fear stuff. The, devil's, the, de- the, the devil and the flesh, come on, you're bigger than that now. You're bigger than that, yes. Get up off the floor. When you've sinned, get up off the floor, say sorry, and get on. Stop moping around as though you haven't got a life. Huh? What do, what do you think? What, my kids come along to me and they say, oh, well, Dad, I'm sharing this, and I'm sharing this, and I've done this and this. You know what? I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let's get on now. I'm with you. I'm with you, son. I'm with your daughters. Come on, we can do anything we put our mind to. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to whip you and hurt you and cheer. I want, I want you to do fantastically well. Yes. Well, if that's me, just think what God's like. Yes. Huh? So what's all this with whipping and... Oh, oh give up. <laughs> Start enjoying your life a little bit. Huh? Yeah, you're going to still get things wrong. Yeah, you're going to sin. But who's making a big thing of sin? It's not even there. It's removed. 
far as the father's concerned. Huh? Come on. Come on, kids. Let's get a life. Huh? Visualize it. This is not some weird thing that I've brought up myself. If you read through from the front page to the back page of the Bible, it's full of pictures. Everything is a picture. Do you know that most of your theology is a picture that came true? Most of it's a picture. And some of it were weird pictures. Huh? Weird, absolutely. But that's a different... Visualize it. Begin to see it. Begin to look at it again and again and again and again and go, yes, Lord, you put it in front of me. That's what you, that's what you want for me. I remember when I got that Volvo. You know that Volvo? I had a, I had a, a, a little Ford Escort. I had a little Ford Escort. I was going up and down the motorway. People might remember it. Years and years ago, and I told you, I had a bad back. And I'd get, out of the, I'd get out of the car. I could barely walk. And one day I felt, I felt the father say to me, what do you want, son? And I went, you know what? I'd love a nice car with a beautiful seat. And I know that Volvo do a good one. No, honestly, it was just like this. And then I got a picture of a Volvo. The exact one that God gave me when I talked the garage owner down from his very high price. And then when I got it, someone said to me, someone said, no, son, don't, don't, do not tell the church that you have got such a beautiful car. I said, why? I want to share it. It's a God thing. No, do not share it because there'll be some people who are offended that tell you where you should have put your money and that you shouldn't have got a car like that. And I said, well, I'm willing to take that risk. Risk. And I drove it at Barmavia, it was a Sunday evening. I drove it at Barmavia. I opened the car and said, anyone wants to sit in there, get in there. Look, it's got tallies, it's got everything. It's beautiful. God gave me it. And then, of course, the reactions came. Well, that's the spirit, that's the mentality of poverty. Do you understand me? If you can't rejoice with someone who's doing well, what's your problem? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Why wouldn't you rejoice with someone who's doing well? Huh? Why? Is there a problem inside somewhere? So anyway, that's it. I surround myself with words of the future. I surround myself with pictures. I surround myself with prophetic words. I've got them all written down, everything. That's what I do. And I bring them up before the Lord and say, Father, there's these. Come on, do you do it? And why don't you? You should. It's what the old, it's what the old saints did. Huh? Associations. So there's visualisation, association. Connections and relationship with those who carry something similar or who carry something that you need in order to fulfil the dream. Associations are really, really important. I just put this. You know, you don't expose your beautiful big frame picture of the future, your 15 by 20, to someone who only sees a picture of 3 by 5. You don't do it. You don't do it. Because the problem is that when you do it, because they've got such a small-mindedness, a small mentality, they can't enjoy what you're seeing. So you have, to, you have to be watchful and careful with whom you share those dreams. Those associations are really important for you. Um, friends are important. Fathers and mothers, mentors, helpers, supporters, these are all mega important. And remember this, there's four different types of people. Those who add those who subtract, those who divide, and those who multiply. What are you? There's four different types of people. Honestly, everywhere you go, those who subtract, those who add, 
those who divide and those who multiply. And of course, it's not, you're, not, you're not making those deferentials to condemn anyone. You're making them so that you can discern who to make associations with. Otherwise, you spend a lot of time trying to talk with people who just don't get it and are taking things away from you. Do you understand me? We've got to give them to the Lord and he'll deal with all of those people. He deals with all of us, wherever we're at. But you've got to think about it. Who is it that multiplies? Who is it that adds? Who is it that subtracts? And who is it that divides? Because I'll tell you, you can smell them. I can smell them. I've had many years of this stuff. Many years, I can smell them. So you've got to get good. Um, and then, just finally. So that was visualisation. Association. And last, concentration and focus. It's great to dream and to see. And I talked to Isaac. Oh, man, he's dreaming. Woof. He's got a big dream. And I said to him, Isaac, son, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a big piece of paper, huge piece of paper. And you, and this is what happened, so you, you were going to begin to see the picture. What is the picture? And he began to write. Has anyone seen Bob Gass? I love Bob Gass. Bob Gass is that painter. No, no, we're just... Bob Ross, Bob Ross sorry. Bob, Bob Ross, and he's just... Now, this is a tree. I'm just going to put another little tree here. This is Freddie the tree. It's beautiful. He's got this beautiful voice. But when you think about how he builds a picture, it's beautiful. And I just saw Isaac building this picture. And of course, there's a lot of things that are already there. But as he began to think, man, the picture got big. It got real big. And he could see, if you want, all these trees, all these flowers, all these different things that he wanted to do. And then he went, oh, that's it. That's the dream. I've got it. I've got it. I can see it. And then he said to me, towards the end, he said, you know what? I've got trouble with her. He said, I can dream the dream, but I've got trouble focusing. we just putting the next step in. I need to go for the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. And for that, you need concentration. You need focus. It's step for step, bit for bit, but slowly going towards seeing the dream fulfilled. It's a beautiful thing. Eventually, you'll see it. And these are, these are things. Of course, when, when, when Isaac said all that, this is really what he meant. This is what has been happening all his life. And it's really what's happening for you all your life as well, all the time that you've been. This is what's happening. You've just got to see it and go, okay, I want succession. I want succession. I want not only success, but I want to see it going again and again and again to everyone around me. That's my heart for you. I want you to see success. And when I'm talking about success, I mean in a kingdom way. You know that. In a kingdom way. Success in a kingdom way is different to a worldly way, but that's another. But that's what I want. So, let's just pray together. If you want to stand, I'm going to pray. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, for everybody that is here today, Lord. I want to thank you for the beautiful time that we've had together, Lord. I want to thank you for your for the ways in which you move, the ways in which you touch us, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. We, we, we say, Lord, that we go out afresh and anew, Lord. 
that we go out with a new deposit, something new, something that you've shown us, Father, something that you've spoken to us, Lord. And we're so thankful, we're so grateful, Lord. And Father, we want to be those people that rejoice, Lord, that celebrate, that have a heart for one another, Lord, that when when we come together, Lord, we are just so excited and enthused for one another, Lord. And yes, Lord, we know that we will get things wrong, Lord, that we won't always do it in the right way. But Father, we want to thank you that you don't concentrate and focus on that, but you lift us up, Lord. You are the lifter of our heads, Lord. You lift us out of a miry clay pit, Lord, and you set our feet, Lord, on firm ground, Jesus. And then you empower us, Lord for this life that you've given to us. And Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that I am looking, Father, at giants, Lord. I'm not looking at little people, Father. Not looking at grasshoppers, Lord, but I'm looking at giants, Father, who more and more, Father, will see that which you have put inside them, Father. They'll know the dream, Father. They'll feel it, Lord, more and more, Lord. And they'll refuse to give up, Father. I want to thank you so much, Lord. I ask, even as people go today, Father, that whatever the next step is for them, Lord, that they would hear it and know it clearly in the spirit and in the mind, Father, right now. I want to thank you so much, Lord, for your love, for your goodness to us, Jesus. You are so good to us, Lord. We thank you, Father. You are so, so good to us, Lord. We bless you. We love you. And we give you all the praise, Jesus. If there's anything that we've done at all, anything we've attained to, Lord, It is because of you, Lord. It's because of you, Jesus. We want to thank you so much, Lord. And Father, I place a blessing on this house, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord. Father, I thank you that your face is towards us. That you smile upon us, Father. And that you lay your hands upon us and put your spirit within us. Father, I want to thank you that it's a good day, Lord. It's a day of salvation. A day of grace, Lord. I want to thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for every family that is represented, Lord. And those that are away, Lord, we place a blessing on them as well, Father. We want to thank you for them, Jesus. We love them. We speak to them. If you know anybody, any of family, any extended family that's just just away at the moment or even at home that's sick, just just reach out your hand right now and just, just pray for them right now. Bless them. Father, we bless them. We pray for them. We say we thank you, Jesus, that you love them and that you are with them, Father that you reveal yourself to them, Jesus. We thank you so much. Thank you so much. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Bless you all. Thank you.